Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into this Locked on Browns podcast for Wednesday, December 7th. I am your host, Jared Mueller. Get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thank you guys all for stopping by. Hopefully some of you uh, tuned in. I was on ESPN Radio uh, earlier today talking about Browns Bengals. And so now I get to talk a little bit more about, about the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, a once important game, or at least a game that got people excited, now matches up two teams who very few are excited about. So the 0-12 Browns facing off with the 4-7-1 Cincinnati Bengals. Don't everybody get excited at once. Aren't we kind of shocked that this game wasn't flexed into prime time? All right, we're done with the snark a little bit. So I uh, actually have to, had to restart uh, tonight's podcast because uh, while I was podcasting, I was also uh, had my tweet deck open and saw that the Cleveland Indians had signed Edwin Encarnacion, except they hadn't, and I got fooled by a fake account, so got distracted, uh, started rambling a little bit, but now we're back. So, hey, the Indians didn't sign Edwin Encarnacion, at least at this point in time, uh, a little bit more than a half hour before the Cleveland Cavaliers tip off with the New York Knicks. So uh, we're here to talk about the Cleveland Browns. And so we're going to start talking about the Browns and the Bengals. And I think uh, the best thing we can do for division games is to look back at the first game so that we can kind of get a feel for what the second game is going to look like. Now, that doesn't always work. You know, you don't always kind of get a clear picture of what could happen or will happen. Uh, Look no further than the Ravens game against the Browns the first time. Ravens game against the Browns the second time. So the Browns, obviously, in week two had taken this big lead against the Baltimore Ravens. First Energy Stadium was was just hopping. Uh, and then week, a few weeks ago, the Ravens destroyed the Browns 28-7 in Baltimore. Um, and so uh, they're a little bit different. But I think when we look at the Browns' uh, first game with the Bengals, we can see some interesting things that took place. And so anybody that remembers that game kind of in detail knows that the Browns um, made some mistakes, specifically uh, at the end of the second quarter, um, the Browns had the ball with um, a few minutes left on the clock. And so instead of running out the clock, the Browns didn't. (laughs) Uh, The Browns had some incomplete passes Uh, After getting um, 
some yardage kind of going um, with a five-yard gain on a run, a short pass to Gary Barnage for 13, another pass to Barnage for 12. Uh, the Browns had an incomplete pass, an incomplete pass. Uh, Hogan had to scramble, and then they punted the ball away, leaving the Bengals with about a minute and three seconds left on the clock. When, if you remember, that's when Andy Dalton hit A.J. Green for that 48-yard Hail Mary as the time expired and the Browns could not get to halftime. At the time, the Browns were down 14-10, to and they were going to get the ball going into the second half. Instead of going into the half down 14-10, the Browns went into the half down 21-10. Coming out of halftime, they scored a touchdown to make it 21-17, but if they were able to run out the clock in the second half, or I'm sorry, in the second quarter, the Browns would have actually been up 17-14. Unfortunately, the game just kind of spiraled out of hand, um, and you'll have that. You'll have that when the Browns are uh, without Cody Kessler for most of the game and starting and playing Kevin Hogan. We had Kevin Hogan go 12-24 of 24 for 100 yards, two interceptions, two sacks, you're going to have that. And so this week we're expecting that Robert Griffin III, Cody Kessler, and Josh McCown will be the three active quarterbacks, or at least two of those should be active uh, this week. And so the difference between Kevin Hogan and Cody Kessler and Robert Griffin III, Josh McCown, and Cody Kessler is pretty significant. Now, Hogan kept the Browns in the game with his legs, seven carries for 104 yards, but at that point in time, the Browns team is just going to be significantly different, hopefully with RG3 running the attack. But it's not just RG3. If you remember that game well, that was the game when Jeremy Hill had nine carries for 168 yards. Giovanni Bernard, 17 carries for 80 yards. And so the Browns rushing attack really got taken to the woodshed. Um they, again, struggled covering uh, targets. A.J. Green, eight reception, 169 yards. Obviously, had that long touchdown. Uh, Brandon LaFell, four catches, 83 yards. Really, it was only those two guys, but they didn't need much more because their running game chalked up 271 yards. Two weeks later, the Cleveland Browns brought in Jamie Collins, perhaps the best athlete on the field. And so I think there's something to be said about the fact that the Browns were out of place so often against the Cincinnati Bengals, leading obviously to the huge nine-carry, 168-yard game, uh, and then obviously the 80 yards from Giovanni Bernard. I think that played a pretty big role in the Jamie Collins trade. The Browns needed someone who could help the team by being in the right position, and when he's not in the right position, just has the athletic ability to get into the right position or to kind of catch up. And so I think Jamie Collins uh, will play a huge role. And we've seen this Browns defense really start to come together. They haven't been perfect by any stretch of the imagination. We're not talking about a team that has shut down other teams. But, you know, the New York Giants last week didn't look great against the Browns. You know, Eli Manning, 15 completions, 194 yards. He had three touchdowns, but again, 15 of 27, 194 yards, three touchdowns. Rashad Jennings, their leading rusher, 15 carries for 55 yards. Odell Beckham burned him for two touchdowns for 96 yards. But again, it wasn't a defense that was just getting gashed for big play after big play. They just gave up some points, 27 in total. Uh, but seven of those were for Jason Pierre-Paul. 
And so, you know, we have to at least be respectful and understanding of how those kind of things can uh, happen and not count those against the defense. So really a defense giving up 20 points to the New York Giants isn't the worst thing in the world. And they've played a very uh, solid role, something that, to be honest, is not something I thought I'd be able to say. So going into this week's game against the Bengals, the Browns have added Jamie Collins. They, their defense have, has come together far better than they have in the past. Kevin Hogan is most likely going to be inactive. Cody Kessler, Robert Griffin III, Josh McCown will see snaps uh, or at least uh, be, should be active with Robert Griffin III likely to take all of the snaps. And then the, the Bengals will be without A.J. Green. And so while they got some other talent, especially in running back uh, and Tyler Eifert really getting healthy um, when we played him, it was his first game back, I believe, only had one catch for nine yards. So Eifert uh, should get a little bit more attention, but that's where a person like Collins or and Christian Kirksey can really play a big role. Without A.J. Green, Joe Hayden and Jamar Taylor aren't going to look as bad on the outside. And then obviously with Robert Griffin III or Josh McCown or Cody Kessler, Whoever taking snaps, anything is better than what Kevin Hogan did, at least as a throwing quarterback. Now, Robert Griffin III could have seven carries for 104 yards, but my guess is he'll be a little bit more protective of himself if he plays. All I'm saying, Browns fans, a game that was should have been a Browns lead in the early in the third quarter, that wasn't, that turned into a 31-17 loss, could be much closer this week than we expected. Will you be happy with a win? That's a different question. And finally, uh, at the end, I'm going to talk about actually someone who um, wrote an article today that I want you guys to check out on complex.com about um, where uh, things are with LeBron James and uh, his agent. Just some really interesting words. I'm going to talk about that at the end. I want to just finally talk a little bit about Hugh Jackson. There's a reason I think this game this weekend is a win for the Browns. It's at home. I've talked already about the addition of Jamie Collins, A.J. Green being gone, having a better quarterback. What I haven't talked about is Hugh Jackson. And so a lot of times homecoming games or games against your former team, um, that kind of storyline can get overplayed. And I don't want to beat that drum. But I do want to talk a little bit about Hugh Jackson's first season with the team as we go into this. uh, It's not really pivotal. Not even really that important, but this game against the Bengals, that that could be a defining game for this season. And, and what I would say is that Hugh Jackson is a leader of men. He's not a rah-rah type with, with no substance. He's not a flash kind of guy with, with nothing to back it up. Um, he's got players believing in him. I think it's why you see Terrell Pryor wanting to fight other players. I think that's why you see frustration on some of the players' faces. I think that's why you hear the Joe Thomases of the world actually speaking out because they believe in the bill that they want to win. They expect to win, and that's something that has changed. I think we've seen from uh, Hugh Jackson that winning is important to him and that this losing thing really, really hurts. We saw him at the almost in tears dealing with everything Uh, that has been going on this season. And what that tells us is that losing doesn't feel natural to him. It's not something that he even really knows how to accept, how to process, how to deal with. And so that's something I want from my coach. That's something I'm excited about seeing 
from Hugh Jackson, and I hope you are too. I hope you look at Hugh Jackson almost in tears as a way of understanding what it looks like to have someone who's passionate about what they do. So while I think the Browns have improved on the field, I think what the defense has done is is actually uh, exceptional. It's shocking. It's surprising. It's all of those words. I think this week the Cleveland Browns win because of Hugh Jackson. Because the Browns see how important winning is to Hugh Jackson. Because the Browns know how important beating this team at this time, getting them right now when they're not looking good, is important to Hugh Jackson. And because I think at home, this team wants to play both for their coach and for their fans. Listen, if we're being really honest, Hugh Jackson has some things to work on. We all know that. His willingness to go away from the run is maddening. While the Browns don't always have a ton of success, the Browns, uh, Austin Pastor, Cameron Irving, who I somehow wanted to combine and name there, are both better against the as a run blocker than they are pass protectors. Yet Hugh Jackson puts his quarterbacks in position, especially those who hold the ball too long, to have to deal with the fact that Pastor and Irving are not that good as pass protectors. That's a concern for me, that he doesn't run the ball as a man who says he wants to be a run-first guy. But he's got time. He's got time to learn. He's trying to figure things out. The same way Ray Horton, I actually probably would have been okay if they fired him in week four, week six, you know, week eight, whatever. I might have been okay with it. Actually, the guy over here who's always calling for continuity really was struggling with how to deal with the fact that Ray Horton seemed to not be a very good coach only a few weeks into the season. But we've seen that development. Hugh Jackson is trying to figure that out as well with Josh McCown, who is not his kind of cup of tea from a quarterback perspective, not great accuracy, those kind of things. Cody Kessler, someone he didn't really want to see the field this year, didn't think he was going to be ready. And Kevin Hogan, Charlie Whitehorst, Terrell Pryor. Yeah, that those aren't really the kind of quarterbacks Hugh Jackson had in mind for running his team. And so I'm okay with where we are. I'm okay that Hugh Jackson has some learning curve. Because hopefully the Browns will continue to bring more talent onto the field. It's amazing what Jamie Collins just looks like on the field. He looks like something we've never had. Forget if you know anything about football. Him running to the ball, him making tackles, whatever the look. Not just physically he looks big and strong or whatever. Overall, he looks different. The same way Robert Griffin III will look different. I promise you, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen Cody Kessler, Kevin Hogan look like Robert Griffin III can look with his flick of the wrist, with his fast feet, all of those kind of things. We haven't seen it. And we're going to probably see it this week. So we should get excited, Browns fans. And finally, I just want to finish up. Um, I used to do a, a click on, listen up, and uh, watch kind of thing, tune in kind of thing. Uh, just haven't really been able to kind of keep that consistent, and I want to do things consistently. 
Um, but today I really want to encourage you to click on, there's an article uh, in complex.com, uh, and it's about Rich Paul, the agent for LeBron James and his clutch agency uh, that represents J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson, uh, Ben Simmons, and obviously LeBron and some other players. Um, it was done by my guy um, who sent it out to me to make sure I got a look at it uh, by Zach, and I don't know how to pronounce Zach's last name. I'm going to go with Friedland. Um, but I just know him as Chops uh, from Twitter. Um, but Zach does a really good job of, of telling a story about Rich Paul and what his agency has been like and all of that. And with the Cavs visiting New York Knicks this week, uh, tonight actually, um, and with kind of what Phil Jackson said about clutch sports and uh, LeBron's quote-unquote posse, I think it's just a really, really good read. So go to complex.com. Uh, they do a lot of different things, specifically with music, um, but Zach does a lot of the sports stuff as well. And so uh, take a look at his piece, complex.com. Um, about Rich Paul. I just really think it's a worthwhile listen. And I look forward to talking more to you the rest of this week, Thursday and Friday, about our Cleveland Browns, their matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals. Going to check in and see where they're at, what's going on with their team, uh, where are some of the things that they've seen without A.J. Green, those kind of things. So uh, really looking forward to the next couple days. I'm really looking forward to, to seeing the Browns play again, even if they don't win. I'm really excited to watch my team, our team, play football. Because that's why we watch, because we're fans first. I just get the awesome opportunity to cover the team as a media as well. So thank you for stopping by. Again, you can get a hold of me on Twitter, at Jared K. Mueller. That's at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just look up Locked on Browns. Thank you again for stopping by and go Browns.